Joe presents TKO together with 32 Red. Welcome to round seven of TKO here on Joe Together with 32 Red. We're a podcast and a YouTube show and we'll be with you every Thursday. This week, we've come up to Bolton to meet a man whose story epitomises the ups and downs in the sport of boxing. He's a Mancunian, a former world champion, and in just three weeks' time, he takes on the biggest challenge of his professional career against the £135 king, Vasily Lomachenko. It is, of course, Anthony Million Dollar Crawler. Uh, so Gallagher's gym in Bolton, um, nice and quiet now, but when we came in earlier, it was absolutely buzzing. Natasha Jonas, Frankie Gavin, all four of the Smith brothers. Mm. Um, it's one of the busiest gyms in the country. Yeah, it's got to be, and it's full of quality fighters too. So we're just waiting on uh, the Mr. Nice guy of boxing to come out from the shower and uh, we'll get chatting to him. Good of him to meet us this close to the, to the fight, three weeks out. Yeah, real access. You know, he's about to fight Vasily Lomachenko. Some may say the pound-for-pound pound number one on the planet. Um, this is uh, unraveled access. It is. Well, um, so Lomachenko, was, he was like 395 and won or something as an amateur. Um, obviously lost his, his first or second pro fight, I think mm. it was. Um, but he's kind of now on most people's kind of pound-for-pound pound list, top three, certainly. Yeah. Um, anything that you think kind of in terms of weaknesses in his game you can see? Well, we've seen Salido rough him up and he was a really green professional. He's still a pretty green professional when you think about it, but pound for pound, definitely top three, potentially number one. It's going to be difficult, but the train for someone like this because he's such a unique style. And when I say that, like there's never been another fighter ever that's lived, that has a style like Lomachenko. Mm. That's how unique he is. So how do you train for that? You just have to be mentally focused, physically fit, and, uh, and I suppose see what happens on the night. Well, Mr. Crawler's in the shower, so we'll wait for him to come out and then we'll have a chat with him and find out uh, what the game plan is and how much we can squeeze out of him, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So we're in the gym at Gloves Community Centre here in Bolton. Very pleased to say Anthony Crawler joins us um, three weeks before the big fight. Thank yes. you very much for taking the time. No, I, don't be daft. That's coming down. I must say, right, he's looking very well for three weeks out. Sometimes fighters that are in the depth of, of camp can look a little bit ragged, you know, that close to a fight. But you yes. look very, very healthy. No, thanks. I feel good. Weight's all good. And um, listen, it's, it's the hard part. Carl, this is the hard part of camp, the real sort of business part when... You know, you're bringing weight down, the, the hard grafts in, and you do feel like I get I get home, and honestly, I've got a little lad who's five, and he just wants to play football. I feel <laughs> bad dad sometimes, bad dad sometimes, but I'm like, oh, Jesse, and I have to, you know, you do your bit there, but I just want to get home, and I just want to, I just want to sort of mm. be in bed. Yes, looking good. I see, I've seen you with it? a top off for like three weeks out. I'm very lucky if I ever get. Any sort of veins anywhere in my midsection? You fucking veins. Yeah. Yeah, no, I haven't oh, strong. My body fat's, fat's low on it. It's one of them I'm, I'm eating well, drinking well, and uh, but you've um, it's one of them. It's, it's always hard. The last sort of the, the last next few weeks mm. will be tough, but I'm mean, gonna say I, I believe I train hard and I, I feel in great shape. And I've had I've had notice for the fight and I'm fighting one of the best fighters on the planet, so. Shouldn't be any different, should it? We'll come on to the fight a little bit later on because yep. obviously it's it's occurred because of the, the injury to Richard Conley. Yes. But you sort of thought that might happen, didn't you? You had a feeling it might happen. Yeah, I did because I thought it was it weren't it was a quick turnaround, so it would have been like a seven or eight week turnaround. It was because I've had seven weeks notice, but um, it was an eight week turnaround, and I just thought 
you know, Richard Comney, um, after the fight, I was watching and, and his hand was wrapped up straight away. I thought, oh, hold on. And then I heard he was going for a scan and I thought, nah, this is going to be touch and going. And I believe that, you know, Richard Comney's, um, he deserves to sort of enjoy that belt, take it back home. And, you know, he's a proud Ghanaian and the, the welcome that he's had, I've saw bits of it and it's, it's nice to see and I think he deserves that. Whereas if the hand was a bit iffy, if the hand was a bit iffy, it was, uh, he would have had to sort of get straight back into camp, not be able to train proper. So it's all uh, worked out okay. You two are in a similar position now in that you're guys that we think of as, as young men in the game still, because you both yeah. got the youthful looks, but actually you're both pretty fucking old in truth. Yeah. Twilight of the careers. <laughs> and in the last nine months <laughs> in the last nine months we lost David A, Tony Belly, Groves, yeah. the Gale, Anthony Agogo week and week or so ago. Um what's it like being at this stage of your careers? <sighs> it's, it's difficult. You know, we're we're not getting any younger. I think you have to kind of as you get a bit older you you change your approach to training training. Someone like Bernard Hopkins, prime example on how he trains. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have to change how you live outside as well and, and become more of a professional. The things you used to do as a kid, you know, 22, with, you don't yeah, get away with these nah. days. And, mm. But um, I think I'm probably in the same boat as Anthony. You know, I've, I've got about a year, you know, two years very maximum left. Um, Congrats on the deal, by the way. Yeah, thanks very much. But I want to be, be involved in big fights and he's just pulled the biggest fight you could have got, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I'm, I think, I think, like you say that, we're very similar. And I think, you know, in, in similar positions. And I think we're probably similar in the way that, you know, we don't spend as much time with our families as yeah. what we'd like to. Both got young families. And, mm. and it's, I think we both know the dangers of boxing. I don't know about car, but I, I say it quite a lot. Like I see mates of mine who grew up with boxing and I see how they've stayed in boxing too long. And box, I say it all the time, boxing don't love no one. Boxing loves no one, and boxing can take more from you, or it will take more from you if you let it. Like I see, I see mates of mine who, who professionals stayed there a bit too long, and they've got nothing to show for yeah. it. They've not got, they've not even got like a house to show for it. And you know, they're slurring the words. Mm. You know, there's, there's, there's the phrase punchy. It's not the nicest thing, but a little bit punchy, and I think. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like. I mean, you might be listening to this thinking you sound like that now. But no, honestly, honest, but honestly not. No, yeah, honestly not. But um, <laughs> and that's and that's one of them where you don't want to stay in too long. I, I love this sport. I love this sport. Boxing's a huge part of my life when I'm not when I'm not training myself. I mean, so my old amateur club and I'm mm. a help coach out there. I love sort of training with the kids and I see the improvement. And but as much as I love boxing, listen, boxing loves no one back. I think that's the importance of having a good, strong team around you yeah. as well. And that people that are keep, you know, who you may be getting some big paydays and they're earning out of it. Yeah. They're happy to push it back in. Um, it's important to have a good, strong setup because yeah. it's a very, very short career. You don't want to be one of these guys in 20 years' time forgetting your own name. And it, it happens. Yeah. And mm. that's the danger of the sport. No, it's, like you say, I've seen it. I've seen it sometimes. And I mentioned then, it's, it's such a short career. And, you know, you look back now and you think, I bet you do things now sort of out of training and you, you I was just like a skinny greyhound. I was always ripped, weight didn't fluctuate too much. But I know now if, you know, I have a family all day, enjoy myself or a few drinks with the lads and that, the weight comes on a yeah, lot man. quicker now. So you have, you've got to look after yourself 
a lot more. And it's just, it's mad when you think back. I remember, Kai, it's mad. I remember when um, you boxed in Huddersfield, yeah. you boxed in Huddersfield, Leisure yeah. Centre, and it's mad, it only seems a few years back. Yeah, and it's, I bet, that, well, I bet that's not far off 10 oh, years so now. 2010, probably. Yeah, so yeah. nine years, and it's like, you know, the it just goes so, so quick. Yeah. You, so t- quick. you turned over, what, three years, within three years of each other. You were 06 and you were 09. Yeah. Man, yeah. Um, and you started as an amateur, I think, 98. You were about, what, 10 years old, I think, when you first laced yes, up? Yes, true, yeah. So yeah. really, th- two decades in the game. getting punched in the head for a long time. A long yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, but I do, and, and I love it, and I believe that I'm still making improvements. But you've just got to, like, say, you've just got to monitor everything. And Carl mentioned it then, I think you've got to make adjustments you got to be a lot smarter when you're older, aren't you? You can't be so crash-bang wallop and... It's mad that, do you know what, that night, I always remember it, you boxed this lad and I thought, oh, and it was one of, like, the worst mismatches I've oh, ever seen. Oh, it was embarrassing, I remember. Oh, do you know what I remember, Cam? A word of a lie, I remember it. I remember Andy Morris and Gary Sykes fought that night. I think it was that night. And um, I remember I was sat next to your mum. I didn't know it was your mum. Yeah. And um, I was sat there, with, I was talking to someone... And uh, your mum was there, she was just quiet, and I, and I just said, I said, I said, oh, I said, he's classing, I said, but that fight, that is yeah. one of the most disgusting fights I've ever seen. <laughs> Who matched and, that? And she went, but I said, he's classing, she went, that's my son, and I just went, thank fuck, I didn't say I'll Do you know what I mean? I remember, he, he the fight was made at year 12, I was he a come in light, dinner. So, I was, uh, he didn't, he didn't arrive at the normal time for the way, and he arrived the way later on. How long ago is this, by the way? 2010. Right. So, 8, yeah. eight 12, it was made two pound above super bantamweight. Yeah. And I went in at 8 12, starving all day to make the weight. Yeah. And he comes in, like, at six o'clock that evening. I think he was about 8 2. Oh, mate, it was that. Mate, I remember it, like, and you the, said they the, want <laughs> boxing shot. And I watched it, and I remember just watching it a bit like, like that, no. do you know what I mean? But what do you do? I'm not going to say no, I'm not no. this guy, you know what I mean? It's a few sure. quid in the pocket, was, but yeah. it, 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 it shouldn't have happened, that fact should yeah. not have happened. It's mad that, and I remember that thinking, I remember, like, you say, your ma was sat next to me, that's fucking nine years ago, isn't it? I remember calling this guy, I, I still laugh about it, he was like the Hungarian Mr. Bean, that's what he was like. <laughs> that's how I described him. Yeah. Looked like him and everything. Yeah, he was. Is it on tape? Um, no, I've I deleted bet Sky, it. I bet Sky, I bet Sky have fingered it. <laughs> All evidence is gone. Sky might, Ofcom might have fingered it. Yeah, know. yeah. Oh, but it's mad that. I just thought of it then, you know, when you were saying that, and I thought, shit, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you were, you were went to a lot of boxing, didn't you, as a kid growing up? Yeah. And I know, I know you went to the Manchester Arena long before you fought there as a kid. Did yeah. Good memories of going to watch fights. Oh, mate, some of the best memories, you know, as a childhood and... I remember I'd, um, either like for birthday or Christmas, I'd either get bought, so, you know, or I'd save some money I got just to buy a ticket. Do you know, there, some of the lads, but yeah, way back before the Ricky Atten days, I remember going for Naz and um, Naz Paul Ingle. Oh, yeah. And um, Tom Hearns was on that bill. And do you know, just some of those bills and stuff like that, even. Tommy Hearns was Tommy, on that bill? Do you know what? Honestly, right, I, I was saying this a long back to someone. So. I boxed, um, when I boxed last time after I beat Al Jordan last fight, I met Tommy Hearns in the back. Yes, he could, I, I walked in the same room. Yes. And there's this little old man sitting in the corner and I went, whoa. He was just yeah. sat, he's sort of very, very yes. old and very tired these days. Yeah. And, and I met him after, I said, oh, Tommy, I said, I actually watched your box here against Nate Miller. And he says, wow, that was some years ago. I said, yeah. I mean, I didn't tell him the next, but I remember though, it was, he was on after the main event and I must have only been 12 or something like that, but I was, I was knackered and, I, um, 
I remember my dad's mate took me, my dad's mate took me to the fight, and he says, and I know you're tired, he went, but you'll never forgive me if I let you walk out on Tommy Hearns. And to be honest, I was, and I was just like, no, no, I don't want to. But in my head, I was thinking. Why was it not a great fight as well? Uh, no, it was, it was a shadow of him first. No, I, bought, yeah, I think yeah. he got someone called Nate Miller who did and just sort of controlled it behind the jab. And it was, yeah, it was, it was boring. Oh, and, do you know what I mean? But I just always remember him saying, I'll nev- you'll never forgive me when you're older if you walk out on yeah. Tommy Hearns. I, I had a story like that. I, I seen... Um... Sergio Martinez in the King's Hall against yeah. Richard or Richard Williams. Richard Williams, eh? Did they box twice then? Box twice, that's right. Yeah. But I remember going like no one knew who he was at the time, but now you look yeah. back and like I seen Sergio Martinez. Wow. When I was Just kid. thought he was an import at the time. Yeah, didn't yeah. You? I think that's what they thought as well. Do you know what? I'm sure he boxed him at the arena as well. I'm sure he did because I've seen. Do you know, over enough, it's mad that I followed him on Twitter yesterday, Richard Williams. You just said that, and I used to love that. It was a great era of like like middleweights when it British. Yeah. Like, you had Williams, um, Steve Roberts, Tapakalu, Wayne Alexander, Andy Farnell. There's just so many. Yeah. Do you know where? Uh, and he was he was one of my favourites to watch. I remember that he got Martinez, and you yeah, just thought, yeah. oh, just an import. Who's and, this guy then? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he got the short shot. So they boxed again at the Kings Hall, did they? The Kings Hall was the second fight. So I think the, yeah. thought, the, the first fight was going to be, you know, Richard Williams has got it wrong here. We'll we'll get him again the yeah. rematch, and then I think it was worse the second. The yeah, second yeah. Wow. No, I think it was. It wasn't. But Martinez, like you say, you yeah, saw a, some fighter then. Yeah, mad. It's um, it's funny. We we have this thing as a British public. Sometimes we don't give credence to to fighters until they beat a good Brit. Yeah. And and we've seen three guys come unstuck in the last six months: Cheeseman, Lewis Ritson, um, yeah. Sam Eggington as well. Yeah. You obviously came unstuck a couple of times early in your career yeah. against even lower level opposition yeah, than that, kind of lower. out of blue. Tell us about that first, that first yeah. night. Yeah, first fight, um, I lost to Yusuf Almeida, who's, um, you know, he's, no, he's a journeyman. At, at the time, he was going through a bit of a good patch, but I was this prospect, my first fight on live television. Yeah. And at the time, Yusuf was, he was a part-time ice screaming, so... It doesn't, um, it don't work the best, it don't look the best, you know, when you look back on it, but that's something I'd never ever changed. Really, shouldn't have got in the ring that night. It was a bit, you know, overtrained. So, through my own fault, um, just under the weather, but I thought, oh, no, I'll be all right. And I was, I sort of was living off the first time on ITV form, letting everyone know. Mm. And, um, yeah, just a disaster, disaster. And, um, but with it then, I, it sort of, I saw so many things like, do you know, early on I learnt, like, who was there for me. Who, you know, this bubble had burst around me. I don't yeah. like a huge bubble, but I was the prospect. And, yeah, it was um, the brought back down to where I learnt sort of the hard way. Like, at the time, it felt like the worst thing ever. I'd be, been beat, not being disrespectful by, by a part-time boxer, a journeyman. And, um, yeah, but whenever, whenever I see Yusuf now, I always chat to him and shake hands. And it's, well, I did always, anyway. But it was it was a it was a blessing in disguise. Blessing. I, I'm in disguise. not saying this just because you're here because I think I've mentioned it on another podcast. So, I can't remember who we were speaking to, but I was talking about you against um, you losing that fight against Al Hamidi and yeah, like there's so many other kids would have just packed it in and yeah. said I, I'm done there. So yeah. like you've come back and you've won a world title. Yeah, he had another loss to Gary Six. Yeah, yeah, lost to Dera. Yeah, a British for a British title. I've had, well, I've had a few losses. But that's a, that's, yeah, a, that's yeah. a big, a big inspirational story. Like if there's yeah. kids losing a fight when they're not expected to lose, 
and you can look at that, away you can from your it, career yeah. and, and, and take something from that, I think. Yeah, because you, yeah. you need to become like a standard bearer for, for the O not being the be all and end yeah. of boxing, don't you, really? No, yeah, it's, um, it just shows with that. And I've said it many a time, like there was a fight, one fight where I had a job ready for me, but I lost that. I, was, I had a job waiting for me Monday morning. And um, I don't think I would have quit boxing, but it would have made hard work. And even like the Gavin Reese fight, I remember thinking, if I win this, then I'll get a contract of match room at the time it was. I'd, my missus was pregnant, heavily pregnant with my first wife, and that sort of got us deposit mm. for the um, <clears throat> deposit for the house. But if not, then I would have had to. I'm pretty certain I would have had to work as well as box to sort of, you know, to provide for the family. So it just shows you the fine lines. And but I could have easily walked away. There was times when like. I'm not crying poverty whatsoever, but you know I was I was living in my mum and dad's in bunk beds, <laughs> you know, yeah. my little brother and uh, flying around in my little red courser and uh, just you know basically any money I got was money to go and train, like mm. fill my tank up, go and train, and um, it is, it's like that's that's for me. I, I never stopped. I genuinely never stopped leaving, even after that Yusef defeat, and even after. The Gary Sykes defeat. I never stopped believing that I could I could get to the top. You know, you, you need a little bit of luck like everything in um, in life. But yeah, no, I, I never let that sort of discourage me. I, mean, I guess you in, you made that change after the first Gary Sykes defeat promotionally and, and training wise, yeah. didn't you? Yeah. Um, around that sort of time, because you were on Hatton's yes. shows, weren't you? And he'd just come That's back a new off. That's yeah. Right, yeah, because he he boxed Mayweather 07 and Pacquiao 09, I think. Yes. Or something yeah. like that. So around that time, he'd obviously hit the heights of his of his career, and, yeah. and he was someone I guess you must have looked up to. And did that? Did seeing him go and do that in the states make the oh, potential of that success a bit more tangible? Every, for you? every Manchester lad, like every Manchester boxer, so many British boxers as well. You know, idolise your cat. And I remember speaking to Ricky mm. at amateur shows, and I was probably this annoying little kid. You know, whenever he was there, and I'd ask him questions. And do you know when when I was like a sort of a young schoolboy? But I was watching him. I remember the first time I watched Ricky was at Oldham Leisure Centre for his first title fight, Central Area title fight. And I'd followed him ever since then, really. So to sort of see him go from there to reach the heights that he did, yeah, he was, he was massively inspired by it. Massively. I think any, any Manchester lad wouldn't, you know, would say the same. Yeah. Um, and then two years later, you ended up actually on... Mayweather's undercard yeah. out in the States. And you nearly, because yeah. obviously we're in Khan's gym, and of course when he was on the rebuild from Prescott, yeah. he fought Mark Antonio Barrera. You nearly fought Eric Morales, didn't you? Yeah, a random one. I remember the, okay. the call come through, yeah. And, you know, there's something going around, and, and the call come through, and he said, at first thought it was a joke. He says, oh, you know, they want you to fight Morales out in Vegas. I was like, ah, oh, dead right. And then I was, I was like, dead. <laughs> And then I just didn't think it, no, no, really. And I was like, oh, oh the yeah, actual Eric yeah. Morales, yeah. Like, really? What, like, Eric Mor- like, the Mexican who's had the great, I've watched him for years, so I was like, yeah, you know, I was, I was mad, for, mad for the opportunity. And um, I remember sort of um, probably a month before or something, that, that fell through, but respect to going by, they kept me on the card. Yeah. And, uh, but I boxed there, and that was, that was a bit of, do you know what? I'd say a nightmare trip, but it wasn't because it made me sort of learn so much again. I mean, I won the fight. They had it, they had it close. It weren't as close, but they had it. But I won on points, and I boxed a guy called Fernando Montiel, not the um, 
the Superfly. The it Selby. Was, yeah. Selby, yeah. It was, um, it was, it was another guy, and his record, I can't, I can't remember the record, but it was, I mean, something like one seven, lost four, or something like that. I think I was British champion at the time. So you just, you expect to, you know, you expect to win and win well. And anyway, I got over there and Nacho Bernstein was in his corner and I thought, <laughs> right, it's a bit harder. And Joe didn't come over with me because Joe had three of the Smith brothers on that night. So, you know, that was right. That was more understandable. So um, Mike Marsden, who was training at the time, but he wasn't coming out till the night before. So I was going out at the time with a guy who was... Um, doing a bit of conditioning with me and sort of to look after me. And then at the airport, he had troubles at home. Um, a problem that he couldn't come, so I was out in Vegas on my own. Do you know what, fight week. And it's just mad. I remember thinking now, looked at him, so I was going in the gym on my own, but it's like I lost a little vibe. I was yeah. walking up and down the strip. I was walking up and down the strip and, like, when I think now, I was probably walking my... I daft them out each day. And on the fight night, my legs, when I think now, my legs was just heavy and... Obviously, he was a lot better than what it was. I remember watching a, a 24-7, you know, a bit later on, just on repeat. And it was me with a Marquez. And you know, when you're watching it and you watch the gym, and then I thought, I know him there. And then he come up and I thought, pause it. And that was him. That was that Montiel. So he was in the gym with your Marquezes and stuff. Yeah, so right. he was so much better than... It was Ortiz, wasn't it? Maybe yes, Mayweather Ortiz. But yeah. no, nah, it was so experience. See, guys like that, you get, yeah. you get these sort of guys in the States who haven't got the most flattering records, but yeah. you build them up over here to win a British title. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And they're, Mate, they're, without the a gyms doubt. are full of them. Full of them. Quality fighters all over the place. Yeah. Without a doubt. I remember on Cotto Margarito too, there was a, I think there was some relation to Margarito. Mexican, I do not know they had big oats for him. And uh, anyway, he won on points, but he was giving her, he was giving her a tough, tough time off this American like journeyman and he was slick and I remember after it, I just showed you it's brutal. I thought, He'd, he'd beat, like, so many prospects him, and if he was looked after, you'd, if he was over here, you'd fancy him to go and win a yeah. British title, which is a big thing. And um, I was waiting after, I was half talking to him in the entrance, and then security come over and says, oh, where's your ticket? Because you need a ticket over there a lot of the time to go sit down. He'd just been in this fight with this young prospect, giving him a hell of a fight, didn't have a ticket, and I had to go out the exit. <laughs> He just boxed out. Well, let... Wow, this is fucking brutal. Well, they, they wouldn't let him watch the rest of the. No, wouldn't let him watch the rest of the show. He had to come home. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. But I think that that was I remember because I remember that night when I boxed uh, on the undercard. You know, I was looking for give me tickets and went back to my room and then he had to come through back through the entrance and I was just sat in the seats like you know oh. everyone else. Because no... Christina had problems getting into one of your your fights. Wasn't yeah, it? That, was it just... that was just a jobs worth um, security yeah. guy. Even me, I remember walking. So we got dropped off in the car. So this was against Josh Winding. Yeah. I got dropped off by the driver at the back door of the entrance for the fighters. And I walked in. A little caged area. And the yeah, yeah, I know where you mean. Yeah, I know it well. And uh, I had no pass. The guys, have you got your passes? And I went, no, I don't have one. Do I need one? Well, everyone's meant to have a pass. I said, see that programme that you're reading? <laughs> see, that's, that's me on it. Can you let me in? He went, yeah, I know it's you, but like, everyone needs a pass. <laughs> I ended up getting in, but like, what's, what's that about? Yeah. yeah. What's that yeah, about? That's but that's like, what you're talking about, that, the, the, the guy who fought, oh, not being allowed to watch, that's the cutthroat part of this business. Yeah. Like, you just, don't you're used it, and abused, that. and they just yeah. send you on. Hmm. I remember another time in the Wildcat, there was this lad there, and I think he was somewhat like, one, two, lost five, and, and he was giving everyone all sorts. He was giving them fits, you know, in, in there. And I thought, oh, like, there's a, there's a prospect, fellow prospects, like, 
five and all, six and all, seven and all. And he was handling them pretty comfortably. And then when we heard his record, I was like, wow. And he went, oh, yeah, he said, I've, I've got no promoter or all that. He says, a lot of my jobs are just sort of last minute. And the away fighter, he says, I think that my record should be a lot better than it is. And mm. you just think people don't see that, do they? Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Um, let's talk a little bit about your... I think you were both good amateurs, but you were never kind of given particularly huge number of opportunities internationally yeah. because of people kind of ahead of you in, in squads. So I think you had yeah. David Oliver Joyce by yeah. and large. Frankie Gavin, who's in here today, and yeah. I think you've been you've been so doing some sparring with. Yeah, with Frankie. There. Yeah, well, and that's probably pretty similar. Like with Frankie, I remember when he saw the EBAs and the talk of box offs, it never happened. But Frankie, for me, is one of the very best, if not, you know, the best amateur I know he didn't go to the Olympics, but he won the Worlds, and yeah, the Worlds are harder to win than the Olympics. He beat, he beat, he beat that ginger Tushenko, Russian to Unbelievable, fair, yeah. unbelievable. Frankie, like, he beat him, and no one got... And he beat him well, didn't yeah. he? He yeah. beat him well, and yeah. Frankie was unbelievable. And I just... I remember thinking at the time, he's got, he was struggling, you know, with the weight, and I thought, hello, Don, but... And, and I totally understand, like, he'd gone to the Olympics, mm. he'd gone to the Commonwealth, won well out there, and um, Frankie was winning everything he went in, but then... More and more, there was tournaments that, you know, he could only he was only doing the big tournaments or you know whatever like that, and I just and like I said, he, you could never pick me ahead of him because of what he'd done. But I felt like I was just there as a bit of a sparring partner, and and at the time I didn't really I didn't like the squads. I didn't think I was getting much from the squads. So even though I probably wasn't ready to turn professional, I just thought you know what. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. Try and get a bit of a head start like that mm. because, you know, an offer coming at the time, and um, you know, it was a good offer. And I thought, yeah, you know what, that's what I'm gonna do. But yeah, I would have, I would have liked that international experience. Um, see, I boxed for England a handful of times. I, I, do you know what? God, I don't know if you box the same night. Do you box Ashley Sexton? I boxed Ashley Sexton. Yeah, in the Olympia. Yeah, we boxed the same night. Yeah, you boxed John Joe Joyce. No, I didn't box. I have boxed John Joe at the National Stadium. I boxed him, a ginger lad, red-headed lad, called Aaron Sadler or something like uh, that. Yeah, I know the one, I know the one you're yeah. talking about, yeah. Um, when did you first remember, remember coming across each other? No, so I remember Carl at night, because he's a little tank, he's a little tank that, and you beat Ashley yeah. well, didn't you? And um, I remember that, but then I always thought then, I thought, because oh, I was always boxing news reading, and I thought, I didn't see too much of the name. Then you turned over early, didn't you? Turned over. And that was like, why. And it was a similar situation with him and him yeah. and Frankie. I just felt like Davey Oliver was a number one. There was talk of a box off between me and him. And it never, really never materialised. Same. Yeah. And then I actually beat him in the All Irelands, and I beat yeah. him well. I dropped him and stuff. Yeah. And it was kind of when I turned pro, it was kind of like doing the fingers. Mm. To, yeah, well, that's it. I have. You know what? I have remember that now. There when you're saying it, and uh, but then not hearing about much. Obviously, you turned professional, yeah. but. Yeah, um, very much sort of like what Carl said there. I think, you know, you have someone ahead of you. You're not getting the opportunity. You feel yeah. that you just sort of, yeah. you know, what's the what's the point sort of thing? So it was a new challenge for me. I guess it's not the B1 end, I remember seeing Cowie Yaffa and Andrew Selby boxing off of the London yeah. place at your call. And yeah. Andrew won the first one. The next day, Yaffa missed the weight. And, and you actually fast forward it now. And, and Selby's, you know, had ups and downs. And Yaffa's been world champion yeah. for a couple of years. That's the importance of being mm. guided, right? And having, having a good team behind you, I think. Mm. Yeah. And someone like Frankie Gavin, you know, I can, he's an absolute wasted talent. Um, Andrew Selby, what a fighter. Mm. You know, he beat Calify pretty comfortably. Yeah. 
and qualifies now world champion Andrew Selby he's kind of he's I'm boxing sure. in Mexico in his next fight I think he's got an eliminator yeah, now actually, and I have no yeah. doubt like he can he can be a world champion yeah. but yeah, it I just seems so. very strange doesn't it and there's a lot of problems his then. mum passed away and things yeah, like yeah, that yeah god bless yeah yeah. No, hopefully, like, see, he gets to the levels that he should. But you mentioned Frankie then, and Frankie, the most talented lad I've ever ever trained alongside. Yeah. It's even now, you know, he's you see, he's not in no shape, no fighting shape, but he's so clever and he's he's got one of the best boxing minds I've ever come across. It's yeah. it's unreal, and you just even with the last fight when he fought that Kerman Langer for the, yeah. um, the European range, yeah. for three or four rounds, Frankie just stood him on his head. But you just got the feeling. At some Good point, he's catch, as well, yeah, yeah, very, very strong in and uh, but yeah, that's sort of way it works. I'm not sure what Frankie's going to do. If he's going to box again. I know he's he's got his own amateur club now, and mm. within a year he's got 20 odd fighters, some boxing nationally. So it looks like he's going to be a great coach as well. Yeah, but that's where the sort of the technique work we're doing, and you know, I speak to him and stuff, and Joe speaks to him, tries to pick his brains. Not sort of, I'm going off subjects a little bit here, but when you get like. Trolls on social media. Oh, you're fighting Lomachenko and you're using a fat Frankie Gavin. But like, no, you you see a, f- a fat Frankie Gavin, you see an overweight Frankie Gavin. But we're using like we've seen one of the best, you know, one of the best amateurs we've ever produced in Britain, and we someone who's got an unbelievable boxing brain. That's what right. trolls look at that and they say them yeah. things. I'm looking at that going. Jazza Dickens and Frankie Gavin. Yes. That's quality sparring yeah, for absolutely. for Lomachenko. You're, you can't replicate Lomachenko, yeah. but. They're as good in Britain as you're going yeah, to get. Yeah, as you're going to get, and just like little bits, the way sort of Jazza spins off, yeah. like replicates that, because you can't, like you just know, there's not one lad we can get sort of in Britain, or around the world who does everything to a T yeah. that Lomachenko does, so, yeah. Joe, Joe Gallagher is, without a doubt, one of the busiest men in boxing, and I can yeah. remember coming up here for the Lenares rematch, and he showed me the yeah. data that you had, you know, yeah, the kind of breakdowns. He's a madman. I mean, the big data, yeah, the, the big data is not used that widely in boxing, but when it is used, it can be really, really helpful in analysing a fight and breaking down what they do and spotting patterns that even the best sort of, uh, the best trainers might not be able to spot. I'm guessing this is about as tough a task as you're ever going to get in boxing, analysing a fighter as, as complicated as Lomachenko. Yeah, without a doubt, um, because he's so hard to read. He's so hard to sort of, you know, patterns that he does. So it makes Joe's job a lot tougher. I think any fighter, any opponent, you're always second-guessing what they're, um, what they're going to do. But, you know, you get a rough idea, whereas with Lomachenko, you, you know, you're second-guessing something and he might come with something totally yeah. different if you know you what I mean you have to be yeah. so switched on from start yeah. like have no lapses in concentration yeah. at all like he's unreal like yeah. complete unique fighter there's never yeah, been unique, a style like him what, before yeah that's what I say when you know if you describe him in one word that is unique I think he's nailed it there one of his unique selling points is that he's he's taken all the best bits of, of what he was as an amateur and essentially stretched it out over a 12 round performance and you don't see that very often because people want to really yeah. drum the movement out of you as as, a, yeah. as an amateur to professional you get taught as an amateur to fight at one distance yeah and, and then the feet yeah. he's kept his feet he's kept it and, yeah. and, he's went, and, and Usyk's done Usyk, it as well you just, yeah, you all, just these, all these Russians are now coming in and yeah. they're 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 now boxing the same way as they did winning Olympic medals, but just doing it for a longer period of time. And that's, that's a problem. With, like, I think a lot of people turn over from the amateurs and they're like, right, you're going to have to stand and hold your feet now. It's, it's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. If, you, if you're a top Olympian winning medals by using your feet, yeah. you're, you're going to be doing it. You, you can do it. If you can do it for 12 rounds, exactly. you're going to win then, more yeah. medals. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And I think 
Like you say, you try and change him, but that's probably going back to Frankie a little bit, whether he stopped using his feet as much. Unbelievable feet. Um, but they've, they've sort of shown that now you can do it. Like, they're the two people, Lomachenko, Usyk. You've not got to slow your feet down completely. Yeah. You might have to make some adjustments over mm. three-minute rounds, but you've not got to, like, slow your feet down, abandon what you had so much success with. Why throw it away that you see people do? Yeah. Um, we'll come on to Lomachenko probably in just a few moments' time, but before we get there, I want to take you chronologically through um, to, to the kind of year leading up to, to you becoming world champion because yeah. it very, very nearly didn't happen for you yeah. because of one fateful night in 2015, was it? Um, it four, uh, December 2014 it was, was it? Yeah. right. So yeah. you were driving home from, from training and, yes. and just, just tell us, for anybody that has been living under a rock, what happened <laughs> to you that night? No, so that night, yeah, I'm driving home from training, in training for my first world title fight around a month later um, in January. And, yeah, pulled up outside my house next to our neighbours' alarms going off. And straight away you hear an alarm going off and you think, you know, when's, it, when's this going to stop? So I rang, actually, I rang the neighbour and said, oh, your alarm's going off, mate. Um, he says, oh, the missus has just nipped out now, I'll let her know. And I joked about it, so that I was checking no one's in, uh, in the house, but put my, put my gym gear and just walked through the garden. Um, so it was still going off and looked over the garden fence and, you know, you've got the torch on your phone, and you're looking and I'm like, is that window smashed? And so, you know, a shadow and the next thing, someone pops the red out. Um, you know, you shout out, so, so it's, you, I took chase. He thought about asking for an autograph. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Took Chase, and then as, as I got around the corner, there was two of them. So I just thought, Joe would just give me the night off running because it was ahead of schedule. <laughs> and I thought, there's no way these are getting away from me. So I'm talking to him, and they must have thought, this guy's a madman. I said, listen, I'm going to catch you on. I'm catching you now. I said, you're not going to get away from me, so you might as well stop. And they're trying, and I'm just closing distance, closing distance. And anyway, they've turned down the side of it, and I was the garden, and I've, like, cornered them in, sort of, in, you know, not touched him at all like that, but I conned him in. And, um, you know, look at him, there's two of them, and I think, well, I can't get one under each, you know. I'm not the biggest guy, but I can't. Um, so I just thought, you know what, you can go. You're coming with me. Um, and you're going to have to, you know what I mean, you're going to have to sort of squeal on your mate or whatever. And um, as, as I'd let him go, I don't know if that says what we took or whatever, and and then on the blind side, then a, a concrete slab come down, hit me on the head. I remember going down on one knee. I remember thinking, oh my god! And I knew straight away at the time. I didn't know it was a slab. I thought he just put a slab or a brick over my head or something. I thought if I wasn't, I wasn't knocked out or anything like that. And like I just felt, you know, and then, and then I jumped up because I saw him climbing the fence, the other one. I jumped up to try and grab him, but he was already halfway over, so he's gone. And I was. You know, I was raging, but I couldn't put any weight on my ankle. And I was like, oh, wow. Um, I was, you know, raging that they've got away. And I thought, I had no idea anyway. I'm walking, well, I'm not walking, I'm, I'm hopping back home. Couldn't put any weight on my ankle. I thought, I've twisted my ankle or something, the way I've gone over it. My missus, the, one of the neighbours, seen me walking the street, going, what's happened? I said, I said they've just put something over my head. I don't know what, though. Um, you know, because obviously... Blood's pouring, and then, yeah, going going to my house. There's a bit of kind of at the time, a little boy. He was he was only was he fourteen? So yeah, he was he was one. He was one. Um, 
I'm covering him, but I'm, I'm just trying to have the joke with him so he don't understand lucky enough at that point. And then the ambulance was taking a bit of time to come next door, neighbour of coming out, looking off her mum was an ambulance and she's trying, she said, you need to get to hospital, the bleeding won't stop in. And at this time, I'm just talking rubbish. One of my mates had actually come round to pick tickets up for the fight. And I'm, um, I'm saying, ah, do you know what? I said, I just won't be able to run this week and the court and... <laughs> I'm going, yeah, but look at the cut, you know, the, the head guard covers that, but uh, it's not ideal, but what I'll do is I'll swim this week, and I'm, I'm planning training around me, then at the time, I'm, you know... It's a bit of denial because of the stakes. Go, oh, were... yeah, I was talking like a madman, you know, I was like, yeah, I won't, um, I won't run for this, you know, it's not ideal, and then you see people going, look at your head, do you know, and I'm going, oh, it'll be right, it'll be right, but really, none of them had the heart to tell me that, listen, you're not fighting, but... Um, so anyway, the, the ambulance was taking Asia and my uncle who lived around the corner, he, he got us to hospital. And um, yeah, took me in the took me to the you know, emergency A and E and one of the people was like, What's going on? Um, I started, I was telling him and I said, We'll get you in the back now, we'll get you in the back, clean you up. And Ed was cut wide open and um, I couldn't, you know, couldn't walk or all like that and the um they said anyway, they were saying, you're fighting soon, I went, yeah, yeah, I'm fighting next month. I said, oh, I'll be sound and all that. And then the next thing, I'm having to have a scan, this and that. And I thought, bloody hell, this is, this is a bit of carry on. And then I remember the doctor calling us into the, um, I'll come in and see, and he said, oh, he says, you're a boxer, aren't you? And I said, yeah, I said, I'm boxing next month and all that. And he just he said, listen, that won't be happening. And he just told me, I had a fractured skull. He said, your ankle's broken a few places. So I was just, I was a heartbroken, do you know what I mean? Wow. I remember breaking my heart after it, my uncle, he, he went home and then as soon as he went home, I thought, I must not wanted to cry in front of him. And then, uh, yeah, you break your heart, don't you? And Yeah, that was, that was it, really. That was it, bit of bad luck. You never found out who it was? Never, never found out who it was. You know, a lot of people say that, and at the time, and it's not to sound tough we'll like that, but... No, but, yeah. People wanted to kill him, you know, people wanted to kill him and... And it's like, so never, and I know I never will find out. And you know now, it, 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 without sounding, it does me a favour not knowing because if I found yeah, out yeah, now, yeah. if you if you're robbing houses, I just don't want to stop robbing houses. If you're robbing houses, you're pretty desperate. And I think, yeah, what do I do? If I find out now. Do I give two fingers a good idea? What you know? What joy am I getting out of it? So. They have to live with it now. That you know, they can never sort of slip up. And would you recognise them? Can you remember what they look like? No, there was one of them, not the one, the one who put a slab over me head, no. He had the hood up, so um, I wouldn't know. Even the one now who was trying to burst and it, and it's one of them, won't be as mad as him because he didn't put a slab over me head. But I think so, and like, you know, there was, there was sort of ID and praise what they had to say, and I, and I didn't know, and there was a lad, rumour going round, and I remember his brother, he went, I'll bring him to the house, now it's not him, and... And I says, and I knew it wasn't him anyway, do you know what I mean? Because, you know, yeah. people talk and that. He says, it's not him, I'll bring him round to the house. You can... And um, even in... I don't even meant to say this, but even in, like, the, the police finger, they had this thing and I knew it wasn't him, do you know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, it just... It's, yeah, it's just a bit of bad luck. bit wow. of bad luck. Well, a bit of bad luck, that's unbelievable. Um, What's it? You, you never run either. You hear an alarm, everyone does the suit. Yeah, yeah. a fire alarm When's was it going to go off? Go, yeah. Yeah. Or, or drill next door. You yeah, know, walk. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, So, of course, the, the eventual night came in Manchester um, with, with Dali's Perez. 
Um, I think there isn't a soul that knows what they're watching that doesn't know that you won that fight. Yeah. Um, you got essentially robbed on the decision. It was a draw. Eddie immediately lobbied for the rematch for you. And yeah. 16 weeks later, you're back in exactly yes. the same situation. Was that just the kind of relief that it happened and, and you got your chance at redemption after what had happened the first time? Yeah, do you know what? I knew after the first fight, it's mad like, I wasn't, I wasn't even that down after the first fight because I was just happy to be boxing again. And, and then when I thought about it, and then I went from being known as a fighter who got it over the head with a concrete slab to a fighter that had been robbed of a world title. I just thought, oh, I can't have this. <laughs> I've got to change this. So, and I knew sort of feeling sorry for myself, wasn't going to do it. So I went about Joe just making changes to make sure it was better than ever because I knew there was a good chance I was going to get the rematch because of the controversy mm. around the first one. So, yeah, that from sort of from that first fight, it was like you know, it's great to be boxing again. Um, but then when you know, when as soon as I got the rematch confirmed, I thought I've got a second chance here, and I knew I had to take it. Like a third chance, really, as well. Third chance, yeah, yeah. third chance. Because that's what I say when I had all the injuries, I was given a second chance. So obviously, it's almost like a third chance. And that night, I just thought there was no way I was going to lose that fight. And I always remember Eddie Hearn coming in the back and he told me after he went, I was half fuming coming in the back. He said, because you just look, you know, you were so right. I thought he's going to let this moment pass him by. He said, You'd, but I just didn't believe for one minute I was going to lose that fight. Um, and it, was, it panned out a little bit different than the first fight. But I just thought, no, this is my night to become world champion. Is yeah. that the one, there's a photograph uh, Carl no. Priestley took, I think. Yeah, no, that was defending it. Oh, was it? Okay. That was defending it. Do you know the photograph I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I do, yeah. It's the, yeah. I think it's the best photograph it's in boxing history. Yeah, it's, it's unreal. I, I was looking at it the other day. Yeah. Um, and it was weird because everyone's... Like, you can see the crowd mm, and the reactions yeah. in the crowd's face. You can see Joe Gallagher's kind of... Joe and Finn, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> Two foot in there. <laughs> there's, there's one man sitting down in the crowd. Have you seen this? Yeah, yeah. The, one, money, the one man who sat down. Is it the, one of the officials? Or? No, no, no. There's someone just sitting in their seat in the crowd. I'm going to have to look at this. just looking like... I, I'll tell you who it is now. Kid Galahad. No, he's, he's sitting joking. There straight face. He's happy for me. Everyone's going, I don't know what, I'm going to have to look at that again. Barry, Barry, Barry. Why is he yeah. not celebrating like everyone else? Yeah, everyone was going well, mad. We mad. Know why. I didn't know if you meant anything. I'll have to look at that. <laughs> have a look. That's amazing. Yeah. Have a look. I'll check it out. Come on, Josh Warrington. Yeah, there's a uh, loyalty. <laughs> <to> Josh. <laughs> um, I guess for, for you, like, you know, it was a beautiful shot you landed, a left that Ricky Hatton would have been proud yeah. of, and that's, that's the best moment of your career. And from going to, from being a kid, watching in the stands in the same venue to winning it in front of all of your fans, and the same with you in Belfast for Kiko. I mean, that, mm. that is the dream moment that every, every fighter just, just wants, don't, isn't it? Yeah, it's, like you said there, it's in your hometown, the amount of times you've gone to shows mm. in Belfast, and that, that arena, like you said, before Ricky, do you know what I mean? But, being there for so many of his big nights and then sort of to live out that dream yourself, yeah, it, it's the ultimate. It's the ultimate. Never forget them. It's the ones that, that you'll be talking about in 30 years' time, you know. Yeah. yeah. When you hear that. And other people will be talking about yeah, that in 30 yeah. years' time and it's like, I know, you know, people, oh, I was there that night and you just think... Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Because when you're in the ring and I guess, you, you know, you knew you'd won because of the stoppage yeah. it's that that moment where it's final when you hit and the new yeah. and the hands yeah. right what I like about it is like you're 
you feel like you're making memories for other people. And they talk yeah. about like how, you know, how happy they were, and and they just remember it like really yeah, well. Yeah, what a night, sort of thing. And yeah. I, I met a guy, and he was doing security in Argos, English guy, and uh, he says he came over to my fight against Kiko at the Titanic as a boxing fan, um, and he's still here because he got. Some, wow. some woman pregnant. Wow. <laughs> but they're together. They're, they're together. You have a baby. babies and memories. Wow. It's wow. a great story. Oh, he's mate. living here now. It's, it's a great brilliant. story. It's amazing. That's someone else. Wow. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> um, and of course, you know, defending it against Barroso, even though you were, you were yeah. the champion, there must be something about that that's a little bit different in that you, you cement yourself as a bona fide world champion. It's not just a yeah. one-off. Because you know I wanted to defend it, and at the time it was it was a pretty big underdog actually that night. So we've well, seen that we've seen how good he was against Kevin Mitchell. Haven't we? Yeah, I remember. Honest, my phone was going mad, then. and honestly, I never let social media get to us. But remember that night, you know, just looking when I was something like going, ah, oh, not a chance, Crowder will fight him, not this and that, or he not. And I thought, and I got my back up a little bit, and um, I remember just thinking, nah, you know what? I, whether I meant it or not, I said, I won't box him and I'll stop him. And um, so that was that was every bit as satisfying as winning, satisfying as winning the world title. That's when that picture come from. And um, mm. it it was one of them, it was like, because defending your work, going in as a champion, I didn't want to lose it, certainly not first defence. But it sort of just, you know, it shown to watch the ring as a world champion and leave as a world champion. Yeah, mm. that, that was a very special night for me. And, and both of you kind of did did a similar thing. You got in with the best in your division at that point twice. Leah Santa Cruz won one, lost one. Yeah. Jorge Linares, I mean, very, very yes. close competitive first fight, a little bit wider the second time. Yeah. Do, do you think that because of the, the second fight was a little more conclusive for him, people forget how competitive it was? Yeah, I do a little bit. And, and it's one of them like, uh, do you know what? I was talking about this the other day. Someone was talking about it to me. And the first fight, you know, I lost the first fight. There weren't loads in it, but... 100%, you know, the right man won. Second fight, I got well beat. Um, I got well beat. But the first fight, loads in it, and then I seen, like, someone... And this isn't, you know, the light Luke Campbell and stuff, but people go on about the fight with him and Jorge, and I think, well, Jorge won it pretty well, but Luke gave mm. up a good fight, and I think... I wish I got the credit he yeah, got. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was no close, it was no closer than it's your first fight. No way. No, yeah, that's what I mean, but everyone remembers the yeah. second fight yeah. where, do you know, for the, for the first time in my career, I was beat and I was, I was beat very convincing. See, when Stephen, like, as fights go on, and it happens all the time, like, everyone has, and I love Big Tyson Fury, they have them absolutely schooling Klitschko. Yeah, if you actually that, watched yeah. that fight, you watched that it was a competitive fight. You yeah. won the fight, but yeah. it was it was tight enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But people have had like a twelve round boxing lesson. Yeah, yeah that they didn't and, lay like, a glove and... As time like as time goes on, I think people's minds become a wee bit warped and they believe yeah. what yeah. they want to believe. Fans have got very short memories for, for the doubt. stuff they want to have and very long yeah, memories for the stuff they do. Of course. But I guess that the things you take away from that is is Jorge Linares had some success against Lomachenko. As more did, than some success, yeah. Yeah, as did Pedraza. And yeah. although he is as complete a boxer as, as you would want if you're teaching a kid, yeah. you know, from, from scratch, since moving to 135, if there have been vulnerabilities, certainly they've been a little bit more exposed than they were at 130. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that, and I think um, Lomachenko could certainly still make 130. Yeah. Um, I think that would probably be his, you know, that would be his, 
his best weight. And I think, for instance, if the Gavante Davis fight could be made, he'd go back down to 134 it or they'd meet somewhere in the middle, I don't know. But, um, yeah, and I think that's, you know, I, I have very few advantages going in there on the night, but I do believe that's one of them. Size, you know, height, reach. It's, uh, and if you use those advantages well, um, make this night, you know, very difficult for him. More than that, I, you know, that's that's one of the things I'm planning on taking in there to shut the world. Mm. Exciting, isn't it? Who's to say Lomachenko? Like, we're sitting here beside Amelie. We, you know you're a huge underdog, and, yeah. and we, we all do. But who's yeah. to say Lomachenko doesn't get a bad cut in the first yeah. or second round? Who's to say he doesn't come out with some sort of injury that affects yeah. high well, performance? shoulder reconstruction. Of course, yeah. Too. That's a big injury to come back from. Yeah, but yeah. like you said, it's... Um, it's very, you know, sport, sports full of big upsets. And, you know, I'm, I'm going in there on Friday the 12th of April to cause another huge upset. And the motivation I get of having... I don't, I'm, I'm not speaking out of turn here. It'd be one of the biggest upsets in British boxing history. Yeah. You know, for me to do it. And I, um, I thrive off that. What happens if you win and what happens if you lose? Win. Give him a rematch. <laughs> um, in Manchester. Yeah, it can be anywhere. It's, um, but no, after the fight, um, I, you know, we talked about it earlier. I know I'm in sort of the last part of my career. I mentioned it earlier about how much I love the sport and, I'm, and I, I know I'll miss it badly, but I don't want to stay in it too long. Hmm. But um, if not, I'd like to fight in Manchester before the end of the year and then I'll um, assess things then. Assess things then. Um, you know, I'm thirty. I'm thirty-two now. It's end of the year. I'm thirty-three. It's. I've looked after myself. I'm not one of those who. Listen, I love a night out with the lads, but I don't. I don't have too many of them. Um, and it's. It's just one of them. You just can't stay in boxing too long. You can't stay in boxing too long. Mm. So it's summer. Um, I'm going to think about. I take it fight by fight. After April the twelfth, over the next few weeks, then I'll. In, enjoy myself but I'll have a lot of thinking time mm. see where we go from there and um, assess it fight by fight I mean you know what that period of time's like you know you had that in December didn't you yeah yeah it's hard it's uh, mm. initially after the fight with Warrington I was a retired fighter and mm. um, after we watched it back on the podcast a few weeks ago and like in my head it was a brutal fight you take the first three rounds out of it, it wasn't as brutal as I imagined it. Like, I imagined it to be brutality yeah. from start to finish. Um, and I was just annoyed with myself more than anything. And, and I think if you're, if you still believe that, like, I believe I could change things to flip a result like that on its head. So why, why should I pack it in because someone on Twitter says you're done? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, we saw the, the crowd that Ricky Hatton took over for Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. Um, I guess often British fighters that have big followings that travel tend to be associated with their football club. Yeah. And you've been a red since you were a boy. Yeah. Obviously, Ricky was Ricky was a blue. But yeah. how many people are you expecting? Do you know on? what? I don't know. We we'll have to work out. But there's going to be there's going to be a good firm over there. It's, do you know what? Honestly, if it would have been Vegas or New York, I believe it would have took a good few foul. Mm. I really believe that because it's just you know what LA is like. LA is a lot more spread out, isn't it? It's yeah. just you know you stay on. Listen, you go to Vegas, and that's part of the trip for a lot of the lads. Or New York, you know, you're around Times Square, you're around all the bars, the pubs. That's an appeal in itself, Vegas and New York. Whereas in LA, you've you've got Hollywood here, you've got 
downtown where the fight is over here. You've got Santa Monica over here, so I don't know, but there's there's a fair, there's a good, there's a good few hundred um, more, you know, who who booked on. So I'll have I'll have good support that night. And they'll sound like plenty more than yeah, that. Yeah, without well. a doubt, without a doubt, I'll have to work it out actually. But you know, more and more people are still booking on. Yeah. So and that's motivation in itself as well, you know, because they've not had the most notice, so yeah. they're having to save up or they put money up, but they had aside, you know, to come and watch us, and that's that's massive motivation for me as well. Yeah, one fight that never um, materialised for you was Terry Flanagan. Yeah, um, there, there are sort of murmurings that he might be shifting back down to one thirty-five. Yeah, um, I did hear that. Did you hear that? I, I did hear that. I saw, you know, I saw Terry a few weeks ago at um, at the Art yoga place. But um, as I said, if you got to come up, and said, I'm just taking over. But I did hear that he might come back down in weight. I know he went up for the um, Super Series. And um, that was, yeah, we both wanted that fight to happen. Do you know, there was stories on both sides that, like, at first, I know it was pretty public. They made um, an offer saying, oh, we've made him an offer and he's turned it down. But I would have had to give up my world title. And, you know, they don't, so I mentioned that. And then before the Burns fight, we made a very big offer. And I think Terry was happy to take it, but. The team wouldn't, so you know that that's that. But it's, it's not through me not wanting the fight, and it's not through Terry not wanting the yeah. fight. We both cool for it, both Manchester lads, and I think you know we get on, we get on, and we like each other. But it would have made a lot of sense at a time. Um, if it comes back down to one three five, you never know. But at the minute, it's I don't know. You I can't dwell on that. Yeah, yeah, now, you know it's what I mean? done. It is, what it yeah. is and, yeah. Yeah. there was there was politics the like involved, and understandably. Terry's promoter, he wanted it on his show, and you know my promoter wanted it on his show. It was, but yeah, and I'm not, I don't dwell on it at all. I suppose with this, I mean, you know, Matchroom and BT, Frank and Eddie have never been further apart th- yes. than they are. So I suppose if it was going to happen towards the end of your careers, it would take one of you to kind of go free agent, yeah, and box on the other I show. I think so. It? I think so. Yeah. Um, like I say, I'm not sure what. Say I saw him the other week, but I don't know whether he's going to come back down. But there is talk of it, and uh, we'll just see, see how it goes. It's interesting when. A fight gets announced as you get closer to the fight. Different variables influence your thoughts on how it's going to go. I mean, it happened with Mikey and uh, Errol Spence yeah. at the weekend. That baffled me, by the way. Yeah, yeah, really. I, I, I had Maggie, or sorry, Earl Spence winning yeah. the fight from start to finish, and I usually, I'm usually one of these guys that get caught up in the hype. In the yeah, it's quite strange the movement you know, on Mikey. Yeah, I saw about that, and so many people were jumping on Mikey. And, mm. I remember, honestly, I put the two out on a four. I wouldn't be like surprised. I think Mike is an unbelievable fighter. But then you mentioned it, and then I started looking at the weigh-in. I know bodies don't win fights, and Mikey never looks body beautiful. Yeah. But Spence, I was, you know, Spence looks incredible and stuff. You know, at the weigh-in and stuff. And I thought, nah, you know what though? He's not just a bigger guy. Spence is an elite fighter. Yeah, and, what a fighter! And he was an Olympian when I first seen him. He was here in 2012. I was watching with Joe, and. Um, no, we were like, we picked out three fighters and there was him, Clarissa Shields at the time, it was like, oh my God. She was like, this, do you know, what? and we were just like, who is, I remember phoning our mates going, there's a woman at 75, get on her. Um, you know, the book is and all this and blah, blah. And then the one was Marcus Brown, who's just come in to yeah. really beat Badu Jack last yeah. time out, didn't I? But Spence, and I just started thinking, you know, Mikey's going up two weights. That's a huge asking. And I think on the night, it was Spence looked the quicker man, didn't it? Yeah, he just Spence looked the quicker man, and I think, do you know the weight? It it's wasn't good weight. It's a lot to adjust to. It not good weight, and we was watching him. So I was thinking, nah, he looked, and he's an unbelievable fighter, Garcia. But 
there wasn't that explosiveness ever there. I, I, feel, I feel like it was. It looked to me as if he was kind of happy to to stay in, you know, mm, what yeah. I mean, and not get stopped. But um, that's why there's weight divisions in this game. Yeah. And like we say, you know, every fighter has their, their limits. For Mikey, it was potentially 147. You can see him doing yeah. well at 140. For, yeah. for Lomachenko, you just wonder whether 135 I, is the division. Well, Maybe he gets found mentioned out. 135 is the max he'll go. So I'd, I'd be shocked if he goes up, you know, if he went up again. Because so I don't believe he's a lightweight. Mm. Like I said, I think he's a super feather, Mac. Well, super feather, I think, is his weight. And um, like I said, I don't, I'm not just relying on the size thing and the the height, the reach at all. You know, we're going in there, we're working on shots that we think are going to cause him trouble. And, and honestly, I cannot wait for it. It's like, I promise you one thing, like, if I do come short, it won't be through me being overawed, through lack of trying, you know, it'd be simply just losing to the better man. Mm. Say, but I prepared, I prepared very well for it. Still got a few more weeks of hard graft. And, um, yeah, bro, on April the 12th. I'm more excited now about this than, than I've ever been from speaking yeah, well, to, to Anthony. I now. think Anthony, he's, he's obviously very up for it, but there's, a, there's no pressure on you. And, no, and that's, yeah, and that's just, you, you can relax going into fight week and, and your yeah. whole camp, you're training hard and, and everyone's writing you off. And that, yeah. that kind of alleviates any pressure. So, and yeah, I mean, you have your own expectations. Like, so I've got, you know, my own expectations where I put like, that bit of pressure on myself. But like Carl said, there's zero pressure on me. Do you know what I mean? And that's probably when you'll get the best out of yourself. Just go out and perform. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Good man. Well, enjoy it. Wish you the very, very best of luck. Thank you. God, what a Thank story it would be, much. wouldn't it? I hope um, you're a businessman. Thank you, Carl. Thank yeah. you very much. Uh, we're doing one thing before we go. Our 32 yeah. second challenge with uh, 32 Red. Have you seen this before? Never seen it. So, well, you need to watch the podcast, mate. Come on. Sorry, Just mate. Subscribe what? at least. It's almost like yes. it's been training Flip for a big me. fight or something. Mate, you know, now I'll be a bit of a meme. Now I'm on it, I will do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I have seen you guys getting out and about. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Now we have been getting out and about. Yeah, it's well. been really good fun. Um, yeah. So this is basically word association. I'm going to reel off a load of words to you and I want you to just think, say the first thing that comes into your head, okay? Right. Okay. And it's only 32 seconds, so it'll be over. Although, so I've got to be pretty quick. Yeah, although Chris Eubanks lasted about eight minutes. So. Um, yeah. Right, you ready? Yep. Okay, away we go. Lomachenko. Unique. Training camp. Hard. Manchester. Masseter. Uh, Joe Gallagher. Madman. Perez. Body shot. Barroso. Body shot. Uh, Man United. My love. Olegana Solskjaer. Idol. At will. <laughs> uh, Liverpool winning the Premier League. Kill me now. <laughs> uh, most important thing in your life. My little boy. Awesome, mate. Bang on the money. 32 seconds done and dusted. Ah, few days. Um, Andy Crawler, what an absolute pleasure. And I cannot wish you no. more luck than I am. So Boys, thanks for coming down with me in that. And uh, thank you very much. No, thank you for having us, Carl. Yeah. Cheers, mate. We'll, um, we'll be watching you uh, closely. Thank you guys for yeah. tuning in at home as well. We'll be back next week. We'll be catching up with Josh Boazzi, light heavyweight sensation from Croydon uh, in South London after his first tilt out of British title. Will he have the belt with him? Find out in seven days. Thanks for watching. We'll see you very soon. You've been listening to TKO on Joe, together with 32 Red.